do that, say um, <laughs> what your name is, um, where, like, what's your role, where, where are you coming from, and maybe just like your relationship to Bronx Like, have you, have you tried it, are you considering it, have you tried it and away with it, um, just kind of wherever you're at in, in that journey. Anyone else? I can start with me. I'm Amanda Hildebrand, uh, Bishop Boyd University School. I'm a first year teacher. Um, I remember block scheduling from high school. So that's my experience. Yeah, I teach. Uh, it's just lunch. <laughs> uh, so I teach. I teach business, uh, personal finance, computer science, and programming. So, yeah, very interested in seeing how we can be more efficient. Uh, Bryce Drews, I also work at Sheboygan Christian, Director of Student Services there. Uh, in previous schools, I've had experiences with the block schedule, but at SDS. Doug Vanderbilt, Unity Christian Hudsonville, Michigan. We're pretty far away from a block schedule, but I'm always kind of interested in what that could look like at a high school. Lindsay Basma, Ada Christian School. Um, I teach a uh, K-8 school. I do 4 through 8 Spanish. Uh, I'm just really interested in what it, it could look like at a middle school level, um, but also I've got three of my own kiddos who are in um, the middle school kind of area and wondering they're all three different learners like how does that work for them moving into high school would they benefit from a block schedule high school or not I'm Jeff Keene, Assistant Principal at Hound Christian High School. We currently are on four blocks a day. Um, sorry, four four days of block scheduling and a Friday we're not short. So it's just kind of And you've been doing that for a while? We moved to four block days Due to kind of to COVID. We used to have two days with blocks, which is three days of shorts and then Jordan Treesenberg, Chicago Christian High School, teach business and econ. We do two days of blocks per week, and to me, I love those days. I feel like the most meaningful work happens on those days. I feel like there's greater focus and engagement. I feel like things are not constantly changing all day. And I feel like students and teachers are a little bit more laid back on those days as well. So I'd love if we went just straight up block. So that's kind of why I'm here. Uh, my name is Wayne Sitchell from Hanover Christian School in Hanover, Michigan. Uh, we're a K-8 school, but we're adding high school next year for the first time. So this is one of the models we're considering, so I'm just here to learn. I'm Catherine Lohman. I also teach at Lansing Christian with Jamie. Um, I teach English and Psych in the high school level, and then I'm also the college and career counselor. So we get to share a workspace, which is fun. Well, she just learned today that I was doing a session today, which I found Yeah. <laughs> never Just hear the discussion. I'm Brian, I work with Bryce and that is particularly important to you. 
away from seeing teaching as a set of techniques, as something done to students by a teacher. When we teach, when we design learning, we offer a temporary home in which students will live for a while and we shape the patterns of life together within which they will grow. Two of my primary resources as a teacher are space and time, and a key pedagogical task is designing what will happen with them. By managing space, posture, the arrangement of furniture, the distances and obstacles between people, and the direction of gazes, and managing time, the length of each activity step, the length of pauses, the presence or absence of silence, the way focus is invested, and the general pace and rhythm. I can influence the kind of reflection and participation that will take place. The ways in which space and time interact will impact both the student's experience of learning and the meanings they assign to that experience. This will also affect how easy my job as the instructor becomes and is a key part of designing a pedagogical home that will help sustain the desired class. Just take 15 seconds or so and identify the most important word or phrase in this passage. They designed a survey about 
um, their, their peers' experience with block scheduling. Um, that we were in our second year of block scheduling at that point. Um, and they processed and analyzed and presented the results. So I'm really here to present their findings to you. Um, it's a senior level class. So my, I had this dream that we would come back together and they would be sharing themselves here at this conference, but they're all over the country now. So um, you get me and I'll do my best. But you'll actually get to see their slides and their thinking um, based on, on that project. Oh, I had the reading and I'm Jamie Wernette. I found it a little bit strange to put my picture in here, but if you're anything like me, you may revisit this talk three years from now or something, um, and um, and be thinking about it and, re and returning to it, and so maybe that'll kind of jog your memory about what we talked about. Um, here's our learning targets. I can learn about the role of block scheduling on students' high school experience at Lansing Christian School. I don't know how generalizable our findings are, um, but, I, but we'll learn a lot about um, how our students were responding. Um, and I can consider the multifaceted reasons for block scheduling and how we can think about measuring success um, when we think about if, we're, if we are using block scheduling and trying to figure out if it's working um, or if we're considering starting it, um, being really clear about our objectives. All right, so I wanted to start with a little bit of um, background research. I've been doing some reading for a couple of years, partly to um, respond to some colleagues who are like, well, um, does block scheduling work, right? That's kind of the question that I, that I get. Um, and so I've been doing some, some reading of scholarly articles and blogs and all kinds of things, and the simple answer is, it depends. Um, you can pretty much find research to say anything that you want about block scheduling, um, because there are a lot of factors involved, and that's always true in education. It's really hard to pinpoint um, cause and effect, right, on, on student learning. Um, so it really depends on what people are focused on when it comes to block scheduling. So I listed just some of the reasons um, why people might move to block scheduling. So the big one is on student learning. Um, I'll talk about the background a little bit, but learning is often measured with test scores, so ACT, SAT, AP scores, um, classroom test scores, um, their grades, that sort of thing. Um, another reason people moved, have moved to uh, block scheduling is to improve graduation and um, graduation rates and lower failure rates. So the idea being that if you have um, what's called a four by four block, which is where you have four classes for a semester every day, um, and then switch to four new classes for a semester every day, um, that if a student fails a class on a semester, they can very quickly recover their credit by taking it um, the next semester. That is the idea there. Um, increasing students' elective course options, um, allowing students to focus on fewer courses at a time, um, school safety, I included that one because um, we are on sort of a pandemic story, we just moved to last schedule um, during the pandemic, um, and so that might be another, another reason. The research also is very different based on the context, so there are studies on large urban schools um, that have very different findings than on a, on a smaller um, rural or small town school. Um, so the location and the size of the school matters, the reasons that they're using block scheduling, if they're trying to fix a problem, um, they usually have different outcomes than um, a school who's maybe trying to use it as um, a way to, to change teachers' practices, if that makes sense. So a lot of reasons people move to block scheduling and the outcomes kind of change depending on that reason. So a little bit of history. Um, if you've been in education for a couple of decades, I graduated from 
high school in 99. Um, so right around that time, so when I was in college, is when, for example, NCTM's principles and standards came out. So if you teach math or you've um, ever taught math, um, that was a, like a really pivotal moment in math education where um, it's really sort of like the dawning, I would say, of like student-centered learning, sort of a focus on, let's, we've got to do something different. We're, we've got to um, meet students where they're at and, and use technology more effectively and get kids thinking critically and all those um, 21st century skills. And I don't think it was limited to math. Um, I think that was across the board in every subject. In 1983, um, A Nation at Risk came out, and that was um, just a lot of comparison between the U.S. and other countries, and um, we, we saw, I think, that we were in sort of this crisis mode in, in education. So block scheduling sort of was born as a way to, and it probably existed pre-1990s, but that's when it kind of became popular as a way to address some educational issues. Um, the idea being that, well, you could do any number of things, right? You improve student learning, you give time for that, this like new version of instruction that's being popularized. Um, we can, um, we, yeah, we can get kids taking more music or uh, more PE classes, whatever the case may be. Like it, it was seen as like a way to solve all kinds, of, all kinds of problems. I liked this particular quote that block scheduling was seen as a structural lever, um, so a way to change big things. Um, through your daily schedule with mixed and inconclusive results. I feel like that summarized the research very well. Um, that we see it as this powerful thing, and it probably can be, um, but the research is mixed. But here are some key points. Can you guys all see okay? I feel like I'm anyway. um, But here are some of the key points. So, and this probably is not surprising, but just changing the, schedule, the school bell schedule does not guarantee better student performance. And that's, that's sort of the, at the end of the day, that's, that's what the research agrees on. Um, typically, the majority of staff, students, and parents end up being favorable toward block scheduling after typically an initial period of increased stress and maybe um, uncertainty about how to do it, uncertainty about how, how to manage the time. But, but the trend is that schools sort of settle into it and it becomes more natural. Um, consistent evidence shows some improvement in grades. Um, some increased instructional flexibility, meaning um, kind of teachers moving away from a single um, lesson structure or a single instructional strategy, um, but little to no positive impact on standardized test scores. That's been pretty inconclusive, but for the most part, there are no sort of significant in improvements in standardized test scores. Um, effects on AP scores and like specific subject areas. So like, does it help in math? Does it help in, in um, social studies? Does it ha help in science? Um, you can find research on, on those specific areas and that research is also mixed. Um, and a big factor in that seems to be whether it's a four by four block, so where you switch your classes at the semester um, and have four long classes that meet every day, or more of an ABAB model. Um, the ABAB model seems to have um, a, a better effect overall on AP scores. And that makes sense, right? So if you're taking an AP class in one semester and then the test is a few months later, um, it would make sense that we're not going to see you know, improvement in grades probably in that area. Um, likewise with ACT and SAT, it probably depends on which semester you take the course, um, whereas with the ABAB, um, they're based on more improvement. So that's, that's sort of a summary of, of the research. A lot of the research comes from like the early 2000s, 
Um, there's not a lot of recent research, so many dissertations were written about block scheduling as it was becoming more popular in the early 2000s, and then we've sort of gone quiet. Um, so I don't know if we'll be seeing more research about this in the future, um, but it definitely was like just very popular, very trendy thing to research um, about 20 years ago. Any thoughts or reflections on that or things I'm missing? At the very end, we just said 20 years like, have our attention spans with, with iPhone. Everything changed in the last 20 years. We're talking 70 whatever minute periods of yeah. Is there any research that shows information about teacher and student mental health or stress, like that may be better or less? So that was not an emphasis in like that early or the sort of the bulk of the research. Um, more recently, like I think. Um, this 2019 article was um, had a more had, I guess reported more favorable findings for block scheduling, and it's the um, and they did touch on that that it that it was pop you know ended up being popular among teachers, students, and parents partly for that reason, and it's definitely a big part of um, my students' research that I'll share. The thirty percent that 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 was a more recurrent thing. Yes, yep, that came from the two thousand nineteen article. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it seemed consistent with with yeah. I even mean, just googled like how many people are using block scheduling. It seemed like that was a pretty consistent number, and and it's kind of surprising to me actually because I feel like I don't know of many schools in our local area that are using um, block scheduling. Yeah, I'm trying to think of our local public schools. I, I know the school district we live in is, is trimesters, which maybe is sort of like a sort of a take on block scheduling a little bit. Almost like it, yeah, it's almost like a, if you say, if we know what a four by four is, this is almost more like a, a five by two, right, trimesters. Okay. So a little bit about, zoom in now a little bit to Lansing Christian School. Um, the history there with block scheduling is that for several years, from about, I think, 2015 to fall of 2020, um, we were incorporating like two days of block scheduling once a quarter. So it was something we were sort of like dipping our toes into. Like, it was meant to be like this, when you could plan a lab or, or some kind of special activity or even a field trip, so you could kind of have it in one of those four rounds of block scheduling. Um, and we liked the idea of block scheduling. Um, we talked about it pretty frequently. We are a, um, a teaching for transformation school, so as a staff, we're like thinking about what do we want teaching and learning to look like at our school. Um, the kinds of practices that we were learning were, were kind of consistent with block scheduling because because of the idea that you want students to be able to like settle in and really dig deeper, right? It's a, it's a Christian deeper learning model and it's hard to dig deep in, in 40 minutes or 42 minutes um, or however long the class was. So that we had been toying with the idea for a while. Um, so learning was right at the top of our list for why block scheduling. We had, been, we had been moving toward block scheduling for a while, but it still sort of seemed like something that was in the future. It's going to take a lot of prep work, a lot of training, a lot of laying the groundwork with our families. Um, what actually happened was that when the pandemic hit 
and we were coming back in person in 2020, we sort of just quickly shifted and we're like, we're doing it now. <laughs> um, so we were using it as a health mitigation strategy. Basically, we cohorted all of our students so that they were in a classroom for the day, the teachers moved on carts, um, and so block scheduling was seen as a way to minimize the number of transitions and the number of students that they were interacting with um, on a daily basis. So again, something we've been considering, but it took COVID really to make us like, okay, we're, we're just doing it, we're shifting. Um, without any training or without any laying any groundwork. <laughs> um, don't, don't really recommend that part. Um, so in the process, we also were able to offer students more elective opportunities. We had a seven-hour school day or a seven-class school day, and now they can take eight classes because um, we do an A, B, we do an A, B, all A, B. So Wednesdays, they see every or go to every class, and then every other day is, is just half their schedule. Um, so that has... Um, done wonders for our creative arts program. A lot of kids are taking an additional PE class, and we have lots of kids in weight training, um, team sports, and a lot of kids really maxing out our um, creative arts classes, which has been awesome. Um, and then also just the pace of a day, um, especially like on chapel days, to have chapel plus seven classes, they have this kind of frantic feeling, right, where you get to the end of the day and you go, what did I do? do today. Um, or I, I think about today is the perfect, at the last session is the perfect time to think about this, right? We've been to essentially five sessions if you've been to the opening worship and everything else. And it's a long day. Like I can, I'm relieved that I don't have to do the whole thing again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, right? Um, so so I, I think that's a helpful way for me to think about, um, you know, seven hour a day for a student, what that would be like. So again, we did the quarterly AV block for, for several years, really, while well, we were sort of, sort of considering block scheduling. In 2020, we went straight, like A, B, A, B, A, and then the next week would be B, A, B, A, B, um, which our shared teachers, it was a nightmare for them, and our elementary classes, because they never knew what day was what. It was really messy. So um, so now we did have, after that first year, we've gone to AB, all AB. And so this is our third year of block scheduling, second year with that particular structure. I share these pictures because these are my um, these are my statistics and probability classes. So these are the, the classes that have come up with this um, research the and the findings. So at Lansing Christian, is block schedule working? Is the block schedule working? Um, and again, hopefully with the research you saw that it kind of depends on what we're calling it, uh, what does it need to work, right? So what does success look like? Um, we want to be thoughtful about that. And depending on who you ask at Lansing Christian, I'm sure you're going to get different answers. So um, our teachers, our teachers are very split, actually. We did a survey of teachers just to kind of ask like, how it's going, do you prefer it? Um, and it was split almost perfectly, like one-third, one-third, one-third of teachers, one-third loved it, one-third hated it, and one-third said, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. There's pros and cons, you know. Um, and, and so that was not super helpful in making in setting the direction. Um, but but was interesting to know. Um, some teachers would note that I'm not getting through as much of the uh, material that I used to. Um, or they'll say that students aren't um, learning as much as they used to, or they're not performing as well. Um, and the difficulty there is that it's very difficult, if not impossible, to tease out if that's block scheduling or one of the many other um, things influencing student learning over the last three years. 
Um, so, so that we want to keep investigating that question, keep thinking about it, keep working on it, keep getting better at what we're doing, um, but recognizing that, that that's a hard measure to use at this point to decide to, to move away from what's going um, So we turned that question over to my class. So the class is essentially seniors who are not taking AP Health or AP Stats. Um, so it's a very, I try to frame it as a very hands-on, um, practical stats and probability class. So we do a lot of graph interpretation and collecting data and, and analyzing it um, and, and sharing it and using data representation. So that's the class. Um, and so last year, I kind of posed that question to students. Is Black Schedule working? And so let's ask your, your friends, let's ask the student body um, how they are experiencing Black Scheduling. Um, so yeah, we value the teacher, we certainly value teacher input, and that's going to be really important to move forward, but we also value the student experience. Um, and I share an office with Catherine, and she meets one-on-one -on -one with every student to talk about college and career, just how it's going in school, and she was asking students one-on-one, -on -one, like, what do you, do you like block scheduling, do you prefer Wednesdays, how's it going with that, and I'd say... Most of them. It was a rare student who said that they um, preferred the Wednesday schedule. So I was kind of hearing that, but we wanted some more, some systematic evidence um, of, of what our students were thinking. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the background, how the students collected the data, so that when I'm sharing it, um, you'll know where it came from. Um, before we started the project, though, I did kind of send out an email blast to all my Christian education contacts. And, and basically ask them, like, if I, we're going to survey our students, what would you hope to learn about students' experience in block scheduling? Um, and almost everyone who responded said, we want to know if they think they're learning, is it helping their learning, um, and what structures work best for them in the class? Like, what, when do they feel like they're learning most? Um, so that, and I shared that with them, and we had our administrators come in and um, talk with the class and kind of talk through what they were hoping to learn, our, our principal and our Wendy, you might have been part of that process too early on. But wondering what our, our staff wanted to know. Um, and that ended up being a little bit different than what students were hoping to know. So I'll talk through that a little bit. Um, so the first thing we did was work on the survey. So I gave them all that information about like, what do your principals and um, administrators want to know? What do Christian educators more broadly hope to learn? Um, and what do you guys want to know about? Um, and so we drafted the survey. I'll tell you right now, this is the hardest stage. I'm at this stage right now with my current class looking at a different topic. And I'm sorry, but they are really bad at drafting surveys. We have to do a lot of work at drafting a good survey. Um, the, their first draft of questions is always like, mm, no, you can't ask that. Um, so we do some reading about uh, asking non-biased questions and, and making sure that you have valid and reliable information. Um, so we got to a, a, a good and strong um, survey eventually. Once we had the survey responses, and we heard, got 105 responses back from students out of roughly 150, 160 high schoolers. Um, so we felt okay about that. We were hoping for more than 100. Once we got the data back, they had everything in their big Google spreadsheet. Um, so we learned a lot about Google spreadsheets in this class. So they um, were broken up into groups to sort of focus on one particular area of the data. They identified like, what questions can we answer with this data. Because some of the questions they wanted to be able to answer, um, we didn't really have the data to back it up. So we talked about that. Um, they, had, they got to practice a lot of processing data, making it something that's useful. Um, there's a reason why we can't just share a spreadsheet, right? We, we have to condense it down and look for the themes and that sort of thing. So they, they got to practice with all of that. 
here were some, this is just an excerpt of some of the questions they wanted to be able to answer. Um, so a couple of things that I'll point out are different than what the adults in their lives who are hoping to learn from this survey. The students were very curious about a few things. That was breaks. They, they are very adamant that breaks are helpful. Um, so I, I had them ask a couple of questions about breaks. Um, how important are breaks during black lessons? How many teachers offer breaks? Um, uh, how helpful are breaks? I was trying to like, they were wanted to ask like, are breaks helpful, yes or no? Um, so we talked about why that maybe isn't a super helpful question. Um, and they were very interested about um, in student wellness. So that was a, a question that I hadn't really been um, thinking about, but that was very much on their minds. And so several of the students really wanted to focus on block scheduling um, related to the student health, students' health and well-being. So that was I found that to be interesting, and it ended up being really helpful information. The other thing that um, was that they really wanted to know about was sort of the flexible time built into our schedule. So we had Monday, um, we had sort of a Monday guided study type time where it was mostly a study hall. Wednesday office hours, which is mostly like hanging out in the comments or the gym. Um, and then Thursday advising was a little bit more intentional to be college and career prep. So they, they really had strong ideas about those times. So um, we, I helped them frame some, some questions about, about those times. Um, they had some open-ended questions, so they had to do some coding um, of those. So that just is an excerpt of what that looked like when they coded. Um, and then on the right, there's a photo of them presenting their work to, I think, our now elementary principal, our high school principal, and I think principal. So they were presenting their work. So now I'm going to, on their behalf, um, share with you some of their findings. Um, what you're about to see are, are their slides that they put together, so you'll kind of see a shift there. Um, part of me was tempted to sort of like update um, their, their slides, but uh, you don't know, no, this is their work, I want to honor their work, and so you're going to see it as, as they created it and as they, um, and as they shared it. So I'll just, I'll just name that. Not everything is presented exactly the way I might have, but, um, but they did a nice job. So it's a class of 16 kids working all together on one project, so that's a, a challenge in itself, but um, they were working with, in smaller groups, which you'll see. So here's their, here's their um, presentation. How do LCS students experience our daily school schedule? So this was just overviewing what I just shared with you, how, how they worked their process. Um, so you're gonna, this is kind of the order of things. They're gonna, um, the first part is maybe the most important, but then they get into sort of the flexible time, Student wellness, the interaction with grade level ended up being important, and then they wrapped it up. They had we had two open-ended questions at the end, basically. What would you change? Um, anything else you want to share? And so, two of the students were in charge of just going through all those open-ended comments and, and sorting and categorizing them. Okay. So the overall effectiveness. This really we focused on um, what students had said at block scheduling had to do with their learning. So the question they were looking at was how effective do students feel block scheduling is in helping them learn? So that was the specific question they were looking at. Um, and here were the findings. So we only gave a four-question scale, so students had to sort of commit. Um, so one being, so the statement was um, block scheduling is effective in helping me learn. Um, and so one or a two is sort of a disagree. It's not helpful in their learning. Um, a three or four means that it, it um, had a positive effect on their learning. And so you can see pretty overwhelmingly students were saying it had a positive impact on their learning. Um, so let's see, 86 to 19. 
So we took that as, as fairly overwhelmingly positive. Here are some of the, the representative quotes from students. Block scheduling gives me a break from the chaos of a seven-hour school day. It gives me an extra hour, which I use for a study hall, and gives more time to complete homework, study for tests, and prepare for the next class. It often feels the traditional schedule doesn't allow anything to be accomplished or retained. Block scheduling allows the teachers to get more content in in one day, and it also allows more time to ask questions about the content we just learned. I will say this one represents a bit of a disconnect with what, stu- what teachers are saying. <laughs> um, so that's kind of interesting. Block scheduling involves more time to be active and learning in a class and to discuss. Um, one thing I meant to mention is that uh, the reason I felt like this survey and, and our data was helpful was because they were sort of like uniquely situated to be able to compare experiences. Um, these were students who had had block scheduling for one year and plus a little, um, and but they remembered what it was like to run a regular schedule. And that year, when we went to the, you know, they had all their classes, if they were new to LCS, um, they still had an opportunity to think, like, how does a block schedule day compare with a Wednesday? Like, how do I feel, right? What am I learning? Um, so here, this is hard to interpret, so I'll help you. Um, they had a checklist of, like, what um, specific types of class activities are most helpful for you in your learning. Um, so they had a long checklist of options and then space for students to add other things. Um, so lecture and notes was right up there as, as, a, as a strategy that they felt was particularly helpful. Um, the, the most um, majority, I guess, or the, the most heavily re- heavy response was discussions um, with 82 votes. Projects was right up there, individual work, group activities, um, videos, a change in environment was a big one. So I think that often means going outside, but it might mean going to the media center or the commons. Um, so what our students gathered from that, and I would agree, is that uh, students like variety. Um, not, there wasn't just one thing that sort of dominated. They like a, a variety of things, and that's consistent with what um, literature says about best practice in a block. Is you got to shake things up. You've got to be moving between activities. Um, a teacher advised me as I was moving, learning how to teach math in a block, like 15-minute chunks. Like think in 15-minute chunks. Doesn't mean you have to change what you're doing every 15 minutes, but it helps to plan that way, um, so that you are incorporating some different strategies. So I thought this was kind of sweet, but the, but that group sort of put together like here are some sample lesson structures that a teacher could use, um, and so you can see that that being represented here that they that they encourage variety, and that's what they were hearing from students. It helps to move around, it helps to shake things up a little bit. Um, so from this section, um, the conclusion is the majority of students think block scheduling is effective for their learning, um, and then they kind of pulled out the, the key classroom activities, I guess, that they found helpful. All right, so then the flip, not the flip side, but like the second part of that, that sort of overall effectiveness, um, is, is block scheduling effective for your attention and focus? It's a little bit different question. Um, so this is a new group, so you'll see a little bit of difference in, in how they're presenting the data. Um, but here, it's still a majority of students saying that they agree or they responded positively to the statement that block scheduling works with my attention span. It helps me to focus and engage in my classes. Um, but, that, but it's more leaning positive. It's a little bit more evenly split. Um, so there's only a difference of about 15 students there. So, so less 
um, significant, I would say, than the, how they were reporting it influencing their learning. Um, so, um, so they talk about breaks a little bit. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll break and talk about that. Um, everybody likes breaks. Um, it was the simple answer to that. Um, they, not, not very many students were saying that most teachers provide breaks. Um, but they were saying that some teachers provide breaks. And that just, to, the, to my students, that was really important. Um, they were saying, like, it, it doesn't matter if the teacher lectures the whole time. If we have, like, a four-minute break, uh, we can do it. Uh, but if there's not a break, it's really hard to focus. Um, so everybody, most people thought that breaks were helpful for their learning and their ability to focus and engage. A little bit more heavy emphasis on the uh, breaks or focus and engagement um, versus learning. But still, almost... Um, over 90% of students were saying it, breaks were helpful for their learning. Again, um, there may be a disconnect there with how, how teachers view that as well. So here are some of the lines from students. Um, they talked about the breaks. Um, this one I thought was interesting. The second point is actually more like the block scheduling hell is helpful for my focus. With traditional scheduling, it's too short. The teachers don't have enough time to get into anything. Also, the students can't engage and get focused on the one subject because by the time they do, class is over. Um, whenever we have block classes, it makes it difficult to stay focused for the entire time, whereas the 40-minute classes, it's way easier to stay focused and on task. Traditional school days are better for my attention span, but worse for my mental health. <laughs> I thought that those were, were fairly telling. Okay. So what's it telling us? Um, only a small majority, but a majority of students agree that um, block scheduling is helpful for their attention span. They like breaks. Um, but, you know, they were trying to convince us to, to make breaks mandatory. So only 75% only of students reported that, um, or 75% of teachers or students said that only a few teachers offer breaks. So they posed these questions. Would mandatory breaks be helpful for students? Um, and would that help their focus? I would say I personally started implementing, like, more stricter, like, breaks, like, really being intentional about working that in. Um, and it's helpful for me in my planning to sort of, again, make sure I'm including lots of different activities. Okay, student wellness. So this, again, was a, a topic that was very um, high on their priorities. Um, so they asked a question directly about well-being, um, and again, overwhelmingly, students responded that the block days were better for their overall well-being than um, the traditional schedule. And we were careful to clarify when we, the whole survey, like we, block days are Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Traditional days is like our Wednesday schedule, so making sure it was clear for students what we were talking about there. Um, how much daily homework do students report having? So most students have anywhere from 30 to two, or 30 minutes to two hours a day. It's hard to interpret that one because as a school, we don't have really like a target for what we think students should be doing in terms of homework after school. So that's something that for us is something we probably want to think about. Is this the right zone? Do we think there should be more? Should be less? Um, but they wanted to be able to look at the homework load relative to what students were saying about well-being. Um, we asked an open-ended question about um, what advice would you have for other students for, for um, managing their workload with a, a block schedule, and uh, their advice was interesting. Um, so they coded it and, and grouped it into categories, and, and generally the advice fell into the, the, the rules of plan ahead, um, don't procrastinate, and then do it. <laughs> Follow through. So, yeah, pretty, pretty good advice. Um, so, 
in the question of which schedule is better for students' overall mental health and well-being, and they spelled out what they meant by, by that for students. Stress level, amount of sleep you get, time spent with family and friends. Um, again, pretty overwhelmingly, 65% said the block schedule, 19% said the traditional schedule, um, and then 16% said, I don't really see a difference. Um, so then the, the summary. So the students were surprised that 16% um, of students saw no difference. Um, they thought that they thought that students would feel strongly one way or the other. So that was sort of an interesting finding for them. Um, but still, uh, more a pretty significant number of students are saying that block scheduling was better for their health. Um, some other advice that they have was um, having more time during class to complete work, no homework on the weekends, um, and one quote was, we need less homework, um, due on Monday specifically. So that actually led to, um, well, one student did a final project on the idea of Sabbath, and should teachers be assigning homework that's due on a Monday, um, does that support um, Sabbath rest? So that led to um, some further study on their term. Um, Grade-related data. So this, I think, is helpful. So in interpreting all the other things that you've seen, um, they did find a pretty striking difference among the students in terms of their grade level. So ninth grade, actually, um, of the students who responded, and that was probably only about half of our ninth graders responded. Um, most of our other our upperclassmen did respond. But of the ones who responded, um, from the ninth graders, they preferred the traditional schedule more than uh, over the block schedule, which um, is, I think, consistent with what we were hearing from individual students. Um, it was harder, it was just harder for them to pay attention. Um, so they, their, their focus was lower on those days. And so they would say things like, it is so long to sit through um, um, an 80-minute class. But they felt like Wednesdays just like clipped right along. Um, but then the other grades were a little bit more consistent. But it is, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, you see that curve down, that the seniors, I remember my class was seniors, um, just like overwhelmingly preferred the, the black schedule. So it was helpful to break it down by grade to see the change. So as you're thinking about like middle school, for example, that might be noteworthy, right? That it's, it, students are engaging differently from according to their age. Um, but across the grades, um, there was a pretty consistent agreement that the block schedule was better for homework management. So going back to sort of those questions about wellness, um, everybody preferred the block days in terms of just overall homework load. Even though they would also report that it's kind of hard to balance their homework because they'd sort of save it for the night before. They'd save it until right when it was due. Um, so their advice to each other was sort of interesting. Um, I'm just going to kind of breeze through this part because it was a little bit more specific to us. But this was about like their extra time in the day. So they were, again, very passionate about this. Um, so again, Monday was sort of a, a study hall time. Wednesday um, was office hours. So in reality, it was like kids hanging out in the gym and the commons. Um, and then Thursday was more intentional lessons that they were working through. Um, so they they all loved office hours. They felt like that was meeting its purpose. Um, next up was was Mondays. Like kind of, we had to rate in order, like which one was most necessary. Um, and then Thursday was overwhelmingly the least popular, I guess, or they thought it the least necessary. Um, and then it just was pretty consistent. Wednesday meets its purpose. Monday meets its purpose. Thursday, uh, maybe not so much. We're starting to see this shift into disagreement. Um, so they had some interesting things to say about that. So they 
they had some quotes about the different the different structures, but what was clear was that people did, um, the students did not see a purpose in that Thursday life. They, like, um, oh, the second quote there just makes me laugh. Like, uh, Thursdays has just become time, extra work. You're just giving us extra work to fill in the gaps of our day, just so that we can earn at 3 instead of 2.45. Like, no, that is not how we make decisions. <laughs> um, but it was telling, and so that information has been helpful um, to Catherine and myself because we're the ones planning those days. Um, it really was helpful for us. It was informative for us so that we could make sure that the purpose is clear and this year we have restructured that quite a bit. Um, to be clear, what they're doing on, during those five times is like career exploration and um, learning about college applications and things that are actually pretty important but um, to them are feeling like busy work so it, it gives us some things that we need to talk um, and then finally, like when we just ask students, you know, kind of what do you, what else do you want to say? What changes would you make? Um, we got some we got some helpful data. So this was kind of helpful in confirming or offering new information on what we had just heard. So um, a lot of the students, when just open-ended questions, they were still talking about the breaks. So breaks are really important. Um, of the students who answered these open-ended questions. There were 16 to 6 students um, like communicating positively about block scheduling versus not. Um, we know that they like the office hours um, versus the advising times that were more structured. And the students favor a variety of class styles. So they were saying things like, I really like learning or moving around during class. For one of my classes, we went outside while working and I found it really relaxing and it was really easy to focus on what I was doing. Block scheduling has been helpful in how I learn more effectively and with my class. So again, just kind of representative things of what students were saying overall. So they had some final recommendations that they gave to them. Uh, I just threw this in there. I, I had put some slides together for a, a different purpose. So I asked students to reflect on the project when they were done with the project. So I just thought I'd share some things that they had to say. So keep in mind that these were students who are struggling math learners for the most part or who are, um, yeah, didn't, didn't, chose not to take an AP math class. Um, so I, I felt like this was the first time I had really seen math communicate more than just numbers on a page. I learned that these percentages represent real people that I know and that a story is being conveyed to them. I was also able to convey the story that the data showed to others, which was pretty cool. We provided answers Mr. Klein was looking for. Maybe think, pat, think about the data, pass just the fair responses, but more into the full story of all the factors that play into it, such as homework management and stress levels. Okay, so so my takeaways, and I hope that um, you have some other takeaways as well, is um, when it comes to box scheduling, whatever you choose to do, or when you're considering, it, is it working, um, quote unquote, um, think about what the intended outcomes are, right? Think about what you're hoping to achieve. Do you, Are you trying to use block scheduling as that structural lever to maybe encourage teachers toward um, new or different practices? Are you trying to um, help more students reach graduation? Are you trying to um, increase opportunities for electives? Are you trying to promote student health and well-being? Um, those are all really good um, hopes and really good intended outcomes, but tweaking one may affect the other. And so I just am encouraging um, all of us to be thinking about that, that um, our daily schedule is important, um, it has a broad impact, um, and any decisions that we make based on outcomes, um, we just want to be really clear about what our outcomes are and what, what's going to count as working, right? Especially if, if we had articulated that really clearly up front, it might help us um, make better decisions moving forward. Um, 
Um, asking students to reflect on their experience can provide helpful data, and it can help guide change. Like it has been helpful for us in thinking about um, about how to move forward and, and small changes we can make and big changes we can make. Um, and then finally, LCS students in our particular context with these particular students overwhelmingly did prefer the black scheduling for their learning and their overall well-being. Although um, for some students it was it was harder for their focus. Uh, although as you raise the question, like. Are all students having struggle having difficulty focusing no matter what our daily schedule looks like? And then we found that grade level men. What else? What are some what have I missed? What are some of your takeaways that, um, that yeah, you're willing to share? Did your school do any professional development tethered to teachers when you switched over the um, the block schedule in terms of that management is managing space and time? A little bit. Um, again, because of the way that we moved um, and the, you know, starting it in 2020 when we had lots of new things all at once, um, we worked it in a couple of times, but it's definitely still something that our teachers are asking for. And we, we really, what we really need is to bring somebody in probably to, to help us all manage that. Um, that said, it's also um, a lot of the practices that we have been learning through teaching for transformation and just teaching practices that we were had been learning through professional development um, are supported by a block schedule. It's left space for that. Uh, is the Wednesday 45 minute periods or something like that? Um, 40, 40, 40, I think they're 45 now. This year they're 45 because we got rid of the office hours on, on Wednesday. So, so I mean the, the issue like for especially for like an AP teacher that has the May 5 test for the morning, 45 times 5, you're at 225, yep. right? <laughs> 280s and a 45, you're at 205, you got 20 minutes every single week that you're not having with the kids. Yeah. If you have more breaks in the middle of the 80, now you're looking at a bigger yeah. disparity every week. And you know, Mondays and Fridays are the days that are off. So then you're missing the 80 period instead of 45. Mm -hmm. We're looking at like the amount of minutes yep. a year that are like, and guess what? The AP exam's not changing the breadth of content they cover. Um, has there been, have you, had, have you had issues with that? Certainly there's some concern. Um, I will say that our students are our older students and our stronger students, and they have been more adaptable um, than our younger or our struggling learners, um, which helps. And then our AP scores, if anything, have been going up. So, so yes, it's been a concern voiced by the teachers, but the impacts have been, so far, if, if there has been an impact, it seems to be positive. Um, teachers, the AP teachers will use some of that flexible time to run like an additional sort of short session, especially in the months leading up to the exam, for that reason, to just give them more touch points with students. Because I, I just was involved in a switch from regular to okay. traditional to Bell, and I, I, I think I lost like seven or eight days that I used to have for reviewing. Okay. Before the exam, it was just kind of quick flash. Like, All right, we're getting it in before the exam goes. <laughs> You know, because, because we just frankly lost minutes together because yeah. we were seeing them five days before. Yeah. Um, you do lose minutes, so there's definitely something is going to have to change, and so that we need to work through like what that. My second question, unrelated to minutes, is um, so do you have teachers that are making multiple versions of tests, or do you have teachers loading up Wednesday as the test day, or do you just have like? Or is your school small enough that you don't have like two sections in the same class? Because the school I came from was like four hundred grade, yeah. and teachers had a big problem with this class because the test 
test on Wednesday. If this class doesn't meet till Thursday, yep. we've got 24 hours to share all the answers. Yes, like, to all of the yeah. questions. You know, yes. and then one day gets loaded up as like test day. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or you make your teachers make different versions of tests. Like, like, you know, it's fun. Yeah, so it, it does go kind of class by class. We are a smaller school, so a lot of our classes are only one section, and that doesn't have as big an impact. Um, our educational support staff is saying that Wednesdays, we're all giving tests and quizzes on Wednesday because there's something we can do about that. Um, so we do know that's happening. Um, and then some teachers, it kind of depends on the class and the grade, but where they, I think there's the highest risk that students are going to be sharing answers yeah. or sharing what's on the test, um, we'll make two different versions. But at the same time, we're in a small enough school that if you have the test all in the same day, they're still getting together and, yeah. and sharing. So, so I don't know. I haven't heard much in the way of like, they're noticing striking differences okay. like the second time they give it there. It's, you know, the students are doing better. Actually, when it comes to testing, it seems like teachers are preferring block days because um, it's just, yeah, less pressure. Right. Students trying to come in and finish it later. That was nice. Nice, which I like that. Other questions, other thoughts, or just reflections on anything here? I'm wondering if, um, if you or if anybody has any recommended resources on how to teach in block. Because I have to imagine it's not just taking your your 45 minute style and increasing mm -hmm. it to 80. There's mm -hmm. probably some different things that you do and some different strategies. Are there any good resources out there? that address how to teach in a block schedule? There was a book that like everybody recommended when I was asking for, for recommendations, and if I think it's teaching in a block, that is the name of it. But if you email me, I will definitely um, send you a picture or a link. Um, I will say what I found when I was looking through was like it was very consistent with all the practices that we had learned, for example, through teaching for transformation, or all of the sort of things that we know, know are best, practice, best practices in the field. Um, but yes, if you're looking for, for hard resources, that book was helpful. And then what I would still really love to do is bring in a panel of teachers who are experienced with block scheduling um, to talk to our teachers. Because what they really want, I think, is somebody who's doing block scheduling well in Spanish, in choir, in, in AP history, you know, and they want to be able to talk to people who are doing it. So um, again, with the last couple of years, it's been hard to bring teachers in, but that's sort of our next step. Anybody else have recommended resources or things that have been helpful for them? I have a question. So you're the registrar, and every summer you cannot get these kids all into that class. Yeah. And there's this class, and you're, bal you're balancing and you're changing that teacher's sequence of classes, and you have 90 different variations, and the computer's disagreeing. You too many kids. Does block help, or actually it hurts mm -hmm. some of those kind of topics? And granted, this may be a topic of a slightly larger yeah. school, plus 400, plus, I don't know, yeah. any, any good or bad on that topic. So we are smaller, but I would say it seems to have helped, not eliminated conflicts. There's always conflicts in kids who can't get into every class that they requested. But, because, and it might be because they're sort of shifting, they're still in that shift from seven hours to eight hours, but it's, it's been easier to get kids into the classes that they're requesting. Most kids are encouraged to take a study hall, which is different. We did not encourage a study hall when we had a seven hour day, and that's 
help as well to get a little bit more flexibility since study halls can run at any time. I, that's, that's in our experience anyways. That's generally been, if anything, easier to get than their requesting classes, but we also made that switch from 7 to 8. It's probably a stupid question, but as you switch to the AB thing, or, wait, no, you're not, you're not doing the semester thing. We're not. Well, with the, does the AB thing take a little bit of off of the teacher load, like in terms of how many classes they're teaching mm -hmm. per semester? Mm -hmm. um, they get, they, in terms of like minutes, they're getting more prep time. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're still teaching like the same amount of classes. Um, the the, the yeah. semester thing would, would take some prep stuff for teachers' plates, right? You'd only be teaching, you'd be teaching fewer things at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Over in a year, maybe not. But yeah, but okay, at a yeah. night, how many yeah. classes are great? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say as a teacher, it's easier for me. Like, yeah. to focus on, like, tomorrow I have these three classes versus five. Deeper and, yeah, deeper yeah. but less chaotic, right? Yeah. Again, my, my intent was not to, like, sell you guys on my <laughs> but to share what students were saying. Um, I'm still, you know, there, but I definitely recommend exploring it and thinking hard about what your intended outcomes are, but, um, uh, but generally, we've been seeing that our students are responding positively. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, guys. I'll, I'll be around for tomorrow.